0: Yeah, I just don't wanna
1: lose the fact that everything is recording yeah, and working. Exactly. Let's just keep going, you know.
0: No, that's why I was like, you're gonna stop now? Everything's working. <laughs> I, was like, I don't wanna hit no, no, I'm no. not touching that computer. <laughs>
1: no, no, leave it, leave it be. Leave it be. Um okay, okay. Good to go? Yep. And welcome back, or welcome to the Waterski Podcast. This is Matteo Luzzeri, your host, and the goal of this podcast is to promote the great sport of waterskiing through interviews, opinion pieces, conversations, any content that can help promoting and spreading the word about the sport I love and the sport that a lot of the listeners uh, love. For this week, we have an interview, and actually, the first part of an interview with the great John Travers, JT as he's known. So JT is obviously one of the best slalom skiers in the world. He has been for a while and uh, one of the most fearful competitors that uh, is on the scene and has been on the scene in the last few years. Now, John, and the reason why I really wanted to interview him, apart from the fact that he's a good friend, is the fact that he, the definition of ambassador fits him very well. So he's known for his skiing, but he's also a very respected tech controller or, for the European audience, homologator. He's a product developer. He's a tournament organizer. He wears a lot of hats in the sport. And uh, obviously, I wanted to hear about it all. But in this first part, we really cover skiing. And uh, in a very traditional water ski podcast fashion, we go back to the early days, which for John meant growing up as, at his dad's ski school, skiing and growing up with his dad as a coach and as a father, and the aura of greatness that always surrounded him at ski school, and yet the how normal and everyday that was. Um, I think John explains it very eloquently, and I think the listeners will get a sense of what it was like to grow up at Jack Travers Ski School, which as we agreed on in the interview, probably isn't that much different now as it was uh, 30 years ago, 25 years ago. This first part is uh, personal. John says a few things that really give a good idea of how certain events shaped him into the skier he is today, uh, both in terms of technique and commitment and participation at big events. So I hope you enjoyed this first part and I hope you'll decide to come back next week for part two, where we'll talk more about the other hats that Jonas wear in the sport. So until then, enjoy part one and uh, see you next week. JT, my man, welcome to the Waterski Podcast. I'm so stoked to have you here.
0: Yeah, thanks, Matteo. It's been... A pleasure to be here with you and listening to all the other podcasts you've done has just inspired me to hopefully have a good day here with you, chat about my life and what water skiing has brought to me.
1: Yeah, man, I can't wait. Now, we should say for the record, we have been going just through 50 minutes of technical challenges because I I say welcome here, but you are at at your house in Florida, I'm in Italy. So there's always a bit of funny stuff going on when you try to do Zoom, Um, but uh, we're there. We're there and we're ready to record.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. It's been a little challenge. I'm not a big Mac computer guy, so trying to learn that side of things again is kind of interesting, but we're here. We got it going.
1: We're here. We're here. And uh, since it sounds like you've, you've heard a few of these podcasts, here's the first question. How did you get into water skiing?
0: Oh, great one. Um... I was brought into a family, um, that my dad is a coach for years. Um, I growing up at a ski school, you know, it was just there, never got pushed to do it, never got, um, made to ski. It was just an opportunity that was there in your backyard. So, and having some of the best skiers in the world, always be at the house. It was kind of easy for me in a way to get motivated at a, Older age, but in the beginning it was just 18 months old. My dad would drive me around on the tractor in the grass, and then it went straight from the tractor in the grass to a boat on water. Um, oh, like we skis behind the tractor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the little wooden combo or like the trainer skis that you see, like the HO or all the companies make today. Exactly the same thing. He just told me on the wet grass, and mm-hmm. then it went straight from that to one day running on the beach, and then a few days later. And I was 18 months old. The first time I went behind the boat, and I remember, wow. If you're, if you know my site, the main lake, right past the the judge's tower, there is the gazebo, and it was not completely done how it is. And it went. I went off the beach there, and I got to the pre gates. And when I got to the pre gates, on the video you see my head like look side to side, and I'm like, mm-hmm. where am I? And I just started crying. Then they just pulled me in, put me in the back of the boat, and that's the story of my start of water skiing. I was just 18 months old being a kid. And honestly, if I didn't see a video, there's no way you can remember that obviously. Of course, you know, of so. course, but yeah. So what are, then again, obviously, you know, you were one of the early
1: ones. So at the question of, do you remember your first set? Probably no. Like you see the video and, and you, you sort of have an idea what they put you through, I guess. Um, but, uh, what are your first memories of skiing? Like,
0: you know, two skis, one skis, Lalom, Tricks. Honestly, it's not. My first memory is not even on a water ski. It's on a wakeboard. Mm-hmm. So way okay. back, I would say it's probably 93, I would say. About five years old, maybe six, 94. The Gravel Tour, which is a uh, performance ski and surf, Bill Porter put on the Gravel Tour one of the very first ones of those were here at our ski school and they had everything from first time wakeboarding all the way up to the pro level at these events. That's what the gravel tour is about. So I went on my wakeboard, Duval shape point tip wakeboard yep. and I've never wakeboarded behind a wakeboard boat and a wakeboard boat back then was a ski boat with a pole and weight in the back. Correct. I went straight up, straight down, face plant, almost knocked out. I won the biggest, crash of the weekend award (laughs) and that's really my first memories of being in any kind of a tournament or um memory of actually remembering me being on the water um at the very early ages other than Uh just playing around another one was a really cool one is uh ronnie barton grew up here and she was one of my kind of babysitters in a way and she had the news out because she probably won the world or something, something crazy. Ronnie does, and she was out here, and the news channel said, "Hey, do you have someone that has never skied before that wants that you could teach for the for some photos?" And she grabbed me and threw me on two trick skis and got me up for the first time on two trick skis, and that was at a really mm-hmm. young age as well. So I have a few little memories, not a lot of early age, just because it's such a mind blur of being at it every day it wasn't like oh when was your first being from europe when's your first trip to the us you know everyone's gonna know that right right? but being in it every day it's kind of hard for me to remember those really special moments but because they weren't so special because i was there every day you know yeah exactly like there was no distinction
1: no saliency like you're always there and then. And then one day you're just thrown you know, in. It, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and exactly. That's kind of how exactly.
0: I'm, I'm at right now. My son right now is 18 months old, so he, Ooh. yeah. So like, and actually, in a few days he will be. Uh, actually, no, he's 19 months old. Yesterday, so in November I was like, oh, I got to get on with him off on ski so we can say we skied the same time we started. But then I'm like, wait, I don't remember that. So do I right. let him come to me? And say, Dad, I want to ski. So maybe in the future he will be like, "Man, I remember my first ski set." Because mm-hmm, I don't really mm-hmm. think at 18 months old versus four years old versus six years old makes a difference in your career. Because no, at no, 18 no. months old, man, you're not skiing. You're you're. you're <laughs> it's like those kids, like <laughs> Parks Munaf and those guys, saying at uh, six months old. You know, like, and
1: yeah, wh- he's a great it? athlete. You know, like it's cool. He makes the news like yeah. the youngest uh, human being ever to be towed behind a boat, but what does he what does he do, you know?
0: Totally. I don't I don't agree with that unless the kid's willing. So right. my kid hasn't really ran down to me and said I put him on skis on the on the grass before and he like stood in him and looked at me and was like, uh, can I go play with my car kind of deal? So I'm like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he left, you know, like Message received. Yeah, I was like, Okay. <laughs> well wait. So we're on our first step of just wearing the life vest right now. Okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no, of course, of course. Yeah. But,
1: um, yeah, yeah. We jumped from you being eight months old to your son. There's a few things to talk yeah, about in between, sure. you know? Um, so obviously, you know, like, cause a lot of the people listening to the, this podcast know who you are and, and know about your dad and, and, you know, the the legend of a coach that he is, your site, your facility. But give a sense. You said you grew up at the lake, and that's easy to understand, but surrounded by great athletes at all time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For those listeners that don't really know, give a sense of what Jack Travers' ski school was then and what it is now, basically.
0: Yeah. So when I was growing up, it was like watching Sammy Nuvall – and Camille Duvall and Wade Cox, Ronnie Barton, all Brenda Baldwin, all these great athletes always being I say, at home. Yeah. And they were like family. Like Wade, I think, was the first person outside my family to hold me as an infant. He was at home mm. when I came home from the hospital. Um I remember skiing against Carl Robert's son, you know, Sammy's son um, those guys they're all great athletes but great people to look up to because they're family men. They took their sport as a job. Um, it was just a lot of fun playing in the sand on the beach with world champion sons. Did I know that? No. I was just playing with a kid. No. But in the long haul, just being around people that are um motivating pushing you to be the best you can be has taught me a lot over the years and it's just great as being an adopted kid um to be put in these in this spot is unbelievable you can't i'm the luckiest yeah. man in the world in a way you know because who knows where i would be if it wasn't for jack and Leilani, you know so surrounded by greatness
1: <clears throat> surrounded by greatness and at the same time I love what you said before. Never pushed. Yeah, never. So you know you were able to to observe, to to be part of it
0: if you wanted. Yeah, right. In the beginning, it was all about, dude. I did more off the water sports when I was younger than I did on the water. So like I was in baseball, soccer. Um, I did a f- few months of gymnastics, but mainly it was baseball, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. My goal was to be a football player, but they wouldn't let me. They said it's too dangerous, but they let me go over the jump at five. <laughs> 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 so yeah it's it's um it's uh been a great great um beginning of my life and i would never change it and that's what i'm trying to do exactly the same for my son so it's yep. been and now ski school it's kind of the same you got my wife natalia myself you got jamie bull um you got so many athletes from europe that are over here from belarus alexei um That are just always here, always happy, always wanting to motivate you to be better. It doesn't matter your discipline if it's or your level, I would say, if it's beginner, eater immediate pro, they're always there gonna support you. It's like a Thanksgiving. We have a big Thanksgiving here and Alexei goes up to one of the little girls right after she ate and goes, What are you waiting for? Let's go trick You know, he walks down to the dock and gets on the boat and pulls her for a trick set on Thanksgiving. So it's just really cool to just to be around people that are always motivating, you know, will Asher is the guy that has motivated me more than anyone in the last five years. And it's just been great to see that. And we kind of push each other in ways, but without him, I don't know if I would be at the same level if I was just cause it's just hard to keep pushing yourself every year, um, without having someone there to push yeah. help, like battle each other, you know, and that yeah. that's really great. So what I hear is basically, You talked
1: about 93, where 2021, in a sense, of course, the ski school has grown, more tournaments organized, etc. But in a sense, the vibe hasn't changed. Like a lot of great athletes surrounded by greatness throughout, essentially. Yeah. Now, obviously, you're you're 30 plus and you're an athlete yourself and you get inspired more directly if, you know, uh, a CP or a Will or an Alexei shows up to train, Um, but I'm assuming the, the vibe of, like, competitiveness and, and wanting to help each other is still there.
0: Oh, 100%. And it's – I think my dad is the main reason behind that. Um, calmness um, tries to make everyone interact with each other. It's not – our sport is a single – it's not a team sport, but in a way it is a team sport because you have your coach, you mm-hmm. have your driver, you have yourself. And you have the people around you. And if you use the people around you as a team, it makes you as a better person and a better athlete and mm-hmm. a better person on the water. So he's been really good with that, is making us all hang out together, talk about your skiing together. Um, from everything, from having lunches together, it's no- nothing's ever spread out. You know, He wants to hear you guys, or hear us talk about, like when we were growing up, it was Zach. Zach Warden and I were... Battle he's head separate. to head, yeah, and he's three years younger than me and he was better than me in everything, you know. So my dad's like, "Go talk to him, Put, pick his brain." You know, you know yeah. what he feels on the water is different. Than what I could coach you on the water, so go pick his brain, learn what he's doing, and I still use that still to today with with Will Asher, even Alexei. People will be like, "John, why are you talking to Alexei so much?" I'm like, "Well, if I talk to him in tricks and I go riding the boat for him for tricks, there's something there." that you can use in mm-hmm. slalom. There's something mm-hmm. that watching Ryan Dodd jump and driving Ryan jump and feeling him driving down the lake, you're gonna pick up for something for slalom. And I've always said jump and slalom are very, very similar in just their own little ways. And you can take one thing to the next and you can build off of that.
1: And I mean, one model you're that, right? Like, so you're, I'm assuming when he said that to you about Zach, you were, you were young, so a coach at your dad's level clearly knows what to tell you. But the fact that he said, you know, possibly what I'm telling you is not working. Go talk to him. See, see what comes up. To me, that's the sign of the like super expert coach, you know, um, and selfless, you know, like it's not about him. It's about you. So go, go and figure out your own way, knowing that I'm here to support you.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, Totally. He was always really good with that. And, And most of the time you go talk to someone else, like I'll go talk to Zach or go talk to Will, and they'd be saying exactly the same thing in two different ways. Mm -hmm. And it's just, that's why I always now, when I'm coaching, I'm always like, do you understand that? Do we need more time on this? Like explain it back to me what I'm trying to explain to you just so that you understand it. You can think you understand it, but you really don't understand it. So that's why like you got to spend a little bit of time with that and make sure how I'm saying it, you understand it there's other ways to say the same thing just oh for uh, sure yeah for sure now you you talked about
1: team right and my understanding because i we met each other for the first time in all four we were already like 16 at the worlds at your house now you were injured and you you couldn't ski those worlds but by 16 you're already a skier like you were you were doing tournaments running buoys etc yep what what was the team then was it just you and dad grinding every day who who
0: was involved in your skiing um mainly my dad my dad was my coach um but i had my team was zach you know Mm. zach was my main my main guy other than my father if i was lost and it's your dad it's not your at the end of the day my dad is my coach but it's your dad you know Mm. so it's different than Just having your coach and you go home at night and you're having dinner with your dad. No, every single thing I did as a family was with my coach because he's my dad. So sometimes I stepped out, not on the water, on the water, 99% of my sets in my life, my dad drove me. Mm -hmm. But now, like back then, even today, I'll go and go say, hey, Zach, or hey, Will, I'm struggling with this. Like, what can we, can you guys, Maybe watch this video, or what do you think of this? I'm thinking of this, but what do you think about that? You know, like, kind of just... I see. Not on so the water, Dad. Dad, always been Dad. Out of the water. It's when I was struggling. someone else. Yeah, like, just trying to get their opinion. Not more questioning my dad. It's never questioning. It was just getting their opinion on, hey, am, am I doing this right? You know, is my dad mm-hmm. saying... is. What my dad's saying, is this what he means? You know, kind of stuff like that. But, like, going back to my early age, I wasn't the greatest skier. I did overall all the way up until I was 19, I think. And okay. um, that was um, a year that I won overall at nationals in the men one division. But going back before that, wow. I won boys three slalom two years. Um, and I tied the U.S. Um, national record at 1.5 at 41 at 18. But going back to when you said in 04, I didn't ski that world, not because I, wasn't, I was injured, because the IWSF oh. committee, the night before the event started, myself, and there was a French kid, and I can't remember his name. Last night I was trying to remember it, but he – him and I were tied for, I believe it was seventh. It was set. They took seven independents.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We were tied for seventh, and we were tied all the scores, every backup. Yeah. Was, and they said both to both of us, "You both aren't skiing." So I didn't get to ski. My parents had to come and tell me that. I'm devastated. Like my parents put the worlds on at the lake for me, and now they, I'm not even how to ski it, and then. The kid that I was tied with, they kicked Balloon off the team and put him on the team. So now I'm like, wait, I can't ski the Worlds because I wasn't, but that kid can, you know? So it was really mm-hmm. hard for me. My first Worlds was um, in Chile, and I think that was 2008, and I was 20, That was, and I was under 21 Worlds. That was my first Worlds. Yep. Yeah. January 2008. Yeah. Yeah, oh, New Year's, I remember that. That was fun. Um, and I actually skied really well there. I got second. That was my first international, I would say, pro event, other than maybe like the Can-Ams or the Pan-Ams, something like that, but like yeah. where the world was involved. That was my first podium. And I, that was special. That was a very special well, did moment. K- did Kale take that one home? Yeah, Kale. Yep. I think he Kale ran first, or second. Yeah, I think I ran like, I think I ran five at 39. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, that's he big. ran. No, I remember, I remember yeah. that. Because he came and skied with me. Um, I think it was him, Zach, Storm, and I skied for about a month here at the ski school before we went down to Chile. Or very close to a month. Um, and I remember Cale was like, we made a bet. I was like, I got one more left, Cale. You're older than me. This is your last one. You can take the win on this one, but I'm getting second. <laughs> <laughs> and it yeah, worked yeah. out yeah and then you fun. took the one after that in mexico <clears throat> on top of this yeah and then i went down to mexico and i won that yeah so that was yeah that was a good that was a fun fun few years there as a junior And in my junior career was a lot of fun especially when i got to miss out on all the the junior worlds stuff so so let's stay let's stay with that yeah
1: because on top of this um just to give you some context you have three years as a junior and there, your birth year matters because yep. either you get two worlds, first and third year, or you get worlds in your second year. And you and I were the same age. Yeah. We got the the short end of the stick on the juniors. Yep. Um, now, I can't say anything because I was lucky. I skied them <laughs> um, at your place, and, and, and it was awesome. Uh, but yeah, we only got one junior world. Um, but staying on those years, like juniors say, um, what were some of the... You said 99% of your sets were with dad. What were some of the core things that dad was about in slalom? Like, were some of these fundamentals that, you know, you you would hear every day, that that type of stuff?
0: Yeah, back then, I've changed a lot in my skiing since then, honestly. Um, Changed ski companies, and that helped a bit, um, or a lot. But um, the big thing was acceleration. He's like, dude, you can't get around the buoy if you don't get over there, you know, we got to work mm-hmm. on, cause my back then, my big thing was, is turning really hard, really deep and losing all my momentum to the first wake. So he's like, we got to learn how to turn with more speed and getting across the wakes faster. And that's what I heard. I'll, it just was driven in my head and kind of getting driven in my head where I would just turn harder and harder and harder thinking I was going to go there faster. Well, it wasn't right. really working out. So, <laughs> uh, we kind of, in 20, after juniors, um, we kind of took a step back, switched ski companies, and kind of worked on style. And I said, hey, I'm switching ski companies. I got a lot to learn just from that. So let's try to change and make the new ski work how we want to ski. And we did that. But growing up was just about acceleration and starting the in the past with being up course and having a lot of speed um and that's why Mm -hmm. i kind of started off with the one-handed gate because we expect we thought um and there there is some to it about coming in the course with one-handed gate you have more speed you know you can you can have more speed it doesn't mean you're going to you can't have more speed on your gate so you start off with a little bit more speed you're trying to travel the same speed as the boat constant or faster um so yeah that was the big thing being a kid is just acceleration
1: what is and uh, together with that, I, I just I think the the contrast is interesting. Your you, when you mentioned one and the gate because those were right about 2004 2005 years, which was when you know Marcus and Jamie and yep. Chris like really shaped what was then defined West Coast slalom. Um, do you remember Dad being influenced by that? Considering it, talking to you about it.
0: Oh yeah, my dad was a big um, big person on the my whole style and driving me to be doing a one-handed gate and I was like well the West Coast guys are doing it of course I want to do it you know so it was yeah, easy yeah, for exactly. him it was really easy like it was like uh, <laughs> you want a Ferrari of course <laughs> you know like yeah exactly you know? so um it was really easy for him to kind of get me into that one-handed gate and then actually Marcus Brown I think it was probably oh three maybe oh four. Um, it was probably '04 actually that Marcus and Terry Winter came down in the fall, I believe, and they skied here at the ski school for a few days and got I got them to watch me quite a bit and I ran my first 38 and they really Marcus helped me a lot on my gate, um, because mm-hmm. w- the one hand gate wasn't really new. They did it way back in the day and then it kind of went away and then Marcus brought it back with Terry. Yeah. And- um so my dad kind of knew about it from back in the day but he didn't know the new kind of the new trend of how to do it so we were just watching videos and learning from marcus and they helped me a lot and i got through my 38 um really well my first 38 was with them you know so it was really exciting to um to get you get to learn from yeah them, i get yeah. to learn from marcus they were just like role models to me you know and now he's like one of my buddies we hang out you know so it's yeah exactly it was really cool it was really really cool exactly
1: no i I find it interesting always to hear what what are some of the core fundamentals that skiers get brought up with in juniors because i feel that in juniors you really can shape an athlete to ski in a certain way and then things have to change a little bit to run the hardest passes Things are going to change a little bit for equipment, boats, new ideas, blah, blah, blah. But a whole lot of it is shaped in those years, right? Um, so I'm always interested to hear what what skiers were brought up with, if I can put it that way.
0: Yeah. The, the, if we're going to really go back to the brought up part, was it wasn't even solemn. It was overall. My mm. dad was a big t- guy on wine all juniors to do overall because it it makes you a better athlete and even like when I switched over and I said okay I'm just gonna be a skier," I don't know if I would really be as good of a skier today if I didn't have the other two disciplines to drive me to make you a more fit on the water Um, there's so many words you can use here to describe that but it's just with tricks and jump it just makes you you're using different body Ways of using your body, different muscles, different mindsets, everything—it's just making you a better yeah. athlete. So, I remember at one point I was the worst tricker. Like, I think the judges were super nice to me at one tournament. I tricked forty-one seventy, was my best. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, and I never landed a flip. and I've never landed a flip in my life, still to today, on a trick no. ski.
1: JT, yeah, we gotta change that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the only time I've ever landed a flip in my life, actually, on water was on shoe skis, on like, on, on shoe skis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, but yeah, I don't. I remember my dad. He had all the trick judges. You know, um, Adan Botano was the one guy that from Argentina. He would always come to the ski school, and he was a great mentor of mine. But he uh, made me trick for hours in hours mm-hmm. and then my dad goes to Camilo one year hey I'll give you a thousand bucks if you can get John Delaney to land a flip <laughs> so he <laughs> brought Jimmy Seamers out he brought everyone and I was just getting whooped and I couldn't do it they called me a cat at one point because I'd get halfway upside down and you try to like get, however I try to get back to my feet but not correctly and I'll just always get like scorpioned or I made it way harder on myself but it was I think those years taught me a lot you know how to be how to drive how to be focused um and it was just a lot of fun you know i would never like if my kid wants to ski i'm going to try to let or push him in the right direction to be an overall skier especially with my wife you know she's Uh, of course yeah yeah yeah. you got a big bias at home yeah i I don't know if he's allowed to ski without doing overall actually (laughs) (laughs) at least
1: trick oh man at least trick yeah get on the trick ski and and have some fun yeah um all right. So we, we talked about worlds. What I've asked this question to other guests and other American guests specifically, what was it like to represent your country for the first time? And I know you skid some canams, and I'm not disregarding <coughs> them at all, but I'm, as you, uh, as you said before, I got it, like I got to the worlds, yeah. like the, the uh, world level tournament. And, you know, you you were wearing some U.S. gear. You knew that you had your flag next to your name. Did that do anything to you?
0: Um, Honestly, my first few, I was just an independent. So I didn't have the pressure of trying to put the points for the team. Um, I remember my first one as as being on the team and having all the pressure. And you got to ski for yourself, but then you also need to give the points to the team. Was in Russia at the Open Worlds. Ooh, yeah! What a place! Yeah. So, but going back to the juniors stuff, yeah. Just to go to an international tournament at that level was nerve wracking enough. And my dad, mm-hmm. um, I remember my dad being the coach in Chile at the second under twenty one Worlds where I won. I don't remember. I have a feeling he was. My parents were in Mexico as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't remember though, but
1: but I do remember who was in Chile when you got second because I just have,
0: now that you said it, I just have this image of your dad coaching Zach from the shore. Yeah. Oh, he was definitely there. I just don't know if he was the coach and and my mom was the manager, like for Chile, they were the coach and manager, but I don't Mm -hmm. know in Chile if they were, I can't remember. In Mexico. Or in Mexico. Yeah. Sorry. But no. I do remember my dad always saying um, to all of his athletes in a way, I could say it wrong, but in this way of like, you come first, you do what you need to do, your team will follow. So mm-hmm. you just go ski for yourself. If you're happy with your skiing, it's probably good enough for the, ter- the team. You're here for a reason. You got put on the team yeah, for a reason. And if you're exactly. happy with it, you probably is a good score, right? So, yeah, of course. Otherwise, you
1: wouldn't have even been selected exa- for the team. Exactly. You know? like, exactly. If you, yeah. So he
0: always said in a way, like, if you're happy how you skied, it's good enough for the the, the team. So, and I just remember him saying that to the Open w- team once here. I think it was, what year was it when the Worlds were in Italy back in the day? like. 90s so. There was a
1: 99 worlds there was a 2001 worlds as yeah, well maybe the, and then plenty before yeah, yeah, yeah i think
0: it was before. the 99 because i kind of remember it he they had like their little team training here at the ski school and then they had like their little meeting and i think in the meeting i was sitting there and he goes guys just remember go have fun ski like you ski and everything's gonna happen you know if you just ski mm-hmm. for yourself and be happy be focused everything else will come behind it you know Yep. and he was always the one like if you need coaching the day you get to the tournament it's too late you know right like you're not it's too late so he's just like have fun look at me on the shore for a jump i'll kind of tweak you in and just go have fun you know so that's kind of how i grew up is i've been always super nervous on the docks um but as soon as my feet got in the water and i got my head wet Everything's the same. It's sitting behind a boat. Um, the courses are all the same. And yeah. Just go have fun. Ski well.
1: All right, JT. We're back from yet another technical uh, issue. <laughs> Looks like we're back on. Uh, look, staying for a little longer, just on your you know, juniors, under-21 years, under-21s, uh, world championships uh mexico jt is under 21 world champ give me the the lead up to the tournament the tournament
0: tell me the story yeah that one was a different worlds just for the fact that there's so many unique things at that world so was the first year with the new nautique the 200 um so i was um pretty lucky we had some family friends of ours lauren morgan they put an order in for a boat really early, even before the ski schools had their boats. So we were really lucky, and we got one to train behind. And then if you know the site in Mexico, the water is very odd. It's a slippery yep. feel. It's, um, people with rear toes have to use grip tape, and jumpers don't use soap for their bindings. A lot of weird stuff. So there was a lot of things. It was our first time going there. We didn't really know all that until we got there so we were, had a lot of things to figure out in a few days of practice so but going into the prelims um i felt pretty comfortable i wasn't skiing nearly the level that i was at home um at that point i was running 40 39 fairly regularly and uh i don't know if i ran more than like three in the turn in practice yeah. at 39 so it was just all of us were struggling um that I can remember, there was a lot of people I'd watch and talk to, and they're like, "Man, this is odd." The boat feels not like home. It's a new boat. The water conditions, uh, which is a mirror, like there's nothing there. It's perfect lake, but there's yeah, exactly. the, the texture of the water and the feeling on the handle and the minerals in the water were just super slippery. So going to the prelims, I was pretty nervous. I fell, I believe, at five ball at eleven at thirty eight off but I fell because my cuff, I was using a fluid motion boot and the cuff pre-released. It came off Mm -hmm. and I didn't have any extras. And there was a little cut on the bottom of the cuffs and that cut wore out and it got too big. So I I would stand on the dog, put my boot in and just lean over a little bit and it'll come off. And I'm like, this isn't going to work. So I just remember going to a few of the guys that are trickers, but aren't really trickers. They're there for the overall factor. Like, Um, Claudio Kustenberger And a few other guys And I'm like guys You have the same boot as mine But it doesn't have the cut It doesn't release I'm taking your cuff So I was taking people's bindings apart Rebuilding my bindings Obviously you don't get practice So I went out and Parts that I've never skied on And On the risk of This is my last Junior Worlds I'm gonna go all in I'm not gonna have my Equipment failure Um, And I went out there And I skied very well I was super happy I went out pretty early and I ran 2 at 41. And um just that day made me realize I want to do this the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. That that was the point where I was like winning is the coolest feeling in the world. And right. I um and that same day my wife broke the world record in Florida. So I'm in Mexico. At that time she was my girlfriend, she broke the world record and I looked I called her and I said I'm doing this the rest of my life. This is the coolest thing. Just to have those two things happen at the same time within I think it was like forty five minutes of each other. We I won. Wow. She broke the world record. Um so it was a really cool day. Um my dad was there, my brother was there. It was just something that still today is one of my biggest achievements because I think it was other than the Moomba Masters, it might have been one of the biggest crowds we've ever skied in front of. There was a crowd there. That there was, was a crowd. one like both sides of the lake was packed. It just it reminded me of the photos that you see of like worlds at Thorpe Park. Right, right. You know, where the shorelines are just packed. And um, it was just a really special day um, just to be there. Support the flag on the podium, have your jersey on, you know, the U.S. stuff. It was just really, really cool. And then just a few years later, back at that same site for the Pan Am Games, which they only take four athletes from the U.S., I was fortunate Mm -hmm. enough to make that. I won the gold again there. Oh, Um, you won the Pan Am Gold? Yeah. Pan Am Games? Yeah. That's huge. I'm just trying to look here on what, um, yeah, it was... um, actually it was just like um, the same year really cuz right like Mexico worlds was January 2010 right or 2011
1: oh, no no it was like Mexico or Mexico you sorry. one worlds
0: yeah I'm getting Chile and Mexico mixed up it was 2010 in Mexico and then 20- 29 yeah 29 okay and then uh Pan Am Championships was uh, or Pan Am Games was 2011, so just a two years, a few years later, I won that, and that was another huge. That's pretty much for a U.S. skier. Other than the Worlds, that's our biggest tournament, and that's yeah. kind of like the World Games in a way. Yeah. You know, just it's the Pan Am side, and just being there with the Olympic medals and the Olympic stuff, and being in the village and all that stuff was just so unreal and I was fortunate enough to do two of those one in Brazil and one in Mexico and Brazil I actually did overall it was a few years before it was four years before the uh Mexico one and I did overall there so boom yeah that was kind of cool so but yeah it was exciting time and as a junior if we go back to the juniors I skied in two junior masters as well so that was always kind of fun one in just slalom my first one I got third and then um, the next year I did overall and kind of taking it back to for me respecting overall skiers a lot it's really difficult to to just ski in a tournament and then you have to do it three times it's very very difficult like so I didn't ski that well uh, in the overall year at worlds or at sorry at the masters but it was still something I could say I tricked and jumped at Robin Lake. So I was, it was just something that you, many people in the world haven't Don't been able to say. Yeah, exactly. So or yeah, have the opportunity right. to do that. So I was, I'm still humbled about that, and it's really cool. So I, I love how you you said. And by the way,
1: I didn't know that when you won under twenty one worlds, you and Natalia were already dating. I love how you called her and said, this this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a cool uh, reaction to have, you know? Um, and then what, I guess, was that the start of a different JT in terms of like how you were approaching your skiing or training
0: or was it more like business as usual, but more? Um, no, I th- I would say nothing really changed other than, Knowing the future I always took it serious When I was When I said okay I'm going to ski competition When I was a young age And then I started seeing myself become A Not really a specialist But really seeing slaloming take off Yeah um, I was like Focused You know if you like talk to Zach He's like man the guy ran a few at 32 One year and the next year he's running 35 And the next year he's running 38 And the next year he ran 39 He's like, where did this guy come yeah. from? You know, three years, he like went from 35 to 41 off skier. So once I realized I kind of, I got a piece of the pie and I was like, okay, now I want the whole thing. I took it pretty serious and I was like focused and and driven to what I had goals set and I was just going to those goals. I didn't want more, but I, I didn't mm-hmm. want anything less. You know, I had those goals set and in my first few years of juniors in the US, I was like nationals is my goal i don't care what i do before that i just want to go there and perform you yeah. know and there was a lot of good skiers back then and so when the nationals was 60 i remember when a few years there were 60 junior boys skiing in boys three at nationals it's, yeah it's a big i yeah, would boy's show up, three yeah i would show boy's three
1: which now is called something else but like that's yeah. sort of like
0: 16 <clears throat> 18 it's like packed in the u.s yeah and when i was there i would get there eight in the morning it would start and i wouldn't ski until like three four in the afternoon i just sat on the shoreline and just stared and watched everything walked up and down the lake watched everything and everyone's like you're getting tired i'm like nope i'm learning what is happening right now on this lake like yeah where the bad conditions are if there's any like we were so fortunate enough so many years to ski like Oki healy uh bakersfield california where man they're perfect lakes like everything couldn't be any been better and so yeah just walking up and down the lakes kind of like watch going to like your first pro events in orlando or anywhere in florida watching uh the world or sorry pro events you see like andy he would always walk up and down the lake you know i was just like mimicking not even knowing if i was really doing anything for myself just knowing i was trying to doing the right thing <laughs> you know, <just> yeah, like <laughs> you're focused you, you, yeah. you were you were trying your hardest yeah. you know like so
1: he does it probably there's a reason for it i'm yeah, gonna do it too you know? yeah
0: exactly so um it was just really cool to say that you competed against all those kids and to really focus you know mm-hmm. and be driven and i remember my last few years uh high school um i went to Moomba in 05 um that was an eye opener for me mhm because we got there um conditions are yeah sorry sorry to interrupt because that's that's that
1: was exactly what i wanted to ask you next like by the time you won under 21 worlds you were already quite the experienced skier in terms yeah. of like big events now obviously you might have not been as competitive yet, but, like, you were going, you were skiing, you know?
0: Yeah, so before the Under-21 Worlds, I didn't get to ski the Junior world. so my dad's like, hey, we need to get you some experience. So in 05, um, after I missed the 04 Worlds, 05, he's like, yeah. hey, let's go to, to Moomba. Um, but my school wouldn't let me go. I was in a pretty mm-hmm. high sports school, but water skiing wasn't one of their sports. So right. my mom and my dad... mom my mom being a teacher when they actually met, my mom was a a teacher at the school down the road from the ski school. So she's like, Hey, I can help you. Let's do homeschool. And I was fortunate enough to have my mom being a teacher, Brenda Baldwin being a math major, Lori Kruger being the English major. So I had a lot of good people behind me to help me get through that. And then I went to Moomba big eye opener. That was like, Oh my God, how do people even run the course here? You know, like this is mind blowing. And, I didn't. I only got to ski juniors there because we didn't know. We thought it was like the normal masters where my dad, yeah, sends a lot of people to the Moomba, but they're already in open. Mm-hmm. So he didn't realize that you could ski juniors and open. So when we got right. there, they're like, John, why aren't you skiing open? I'm like, well, can't I? And they're like, yeah. And so I went to the judges and they said, sorry, we're, we're it's too, too late. late. Too late to enter. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I did that. And then um, that was in 05. And then in '06, my dad's like, hey, there's a tournament in West Palm called Challenge the Pros. And it was pretty much anyone that wanted to ski at 36 could show up there and ski against the pros that I remember. And that I re- tournament
1: me- went down to history.
0: Yeah. And I remember your buddy, Matteo uh, Yanni, won that event, I believe. Second, second. Second. He got
1: sandwiched in between CP and Andy, you know? And.
0: Which is, he, in itself, pretty crazy. He's the one that kind of, before that tournament, grabbed me under his wing and said, let's go. Because he was skiing. Um, he was living in Groveland and coming out here to our ski school and skiing quite a bit. And we went down there with my parents. And he was down there. And I didn't ski the way, the way I wanted. You know, the pressure and everything else. New place. Yeah. Um, So I didn't really ski that well there. But it was my first event. Um. And then moving to the next year, um, I skied pretty well in some pro events. You know, I was running the 41 there. I remember it, at the Mastercraft Pro in, I think it was North Carolina, I ran one and a half of 41. Big. Like, yeah. And then um, the next year, I think I only did one tournament that year. It was like late in the fall of 2008, I did one pro event. Something like that. And um, the next year in twenty. 20- uh, it would be 08. I skied my, I did a few turns. I did a Pro at Trophy, um, and that was a place that everyone skied so well at. But then there was like this random wind. If you get at this site, if you're standing looking at the course, the Looks wind, great. Can, yeah, perfect. But the wind can be blowing straight at you, and there's a tree line, and you can have a head tailwind at both ends, and then weird wind in the middle, like where the winds hit yep. each other. And I, that blew my mind. I was just, I didn't know what to do. Um, right. But then I went to this site in Georgia and I was kind of like the guy that like, just playing around. I was just having fun. Like, and I got second. I ran 39. I think like, it was like the big head to heads where you just had head to head after head to head. I think the first round I ran a few at 39, and I was all upset. And my dad's like, dude, you just need one at 41 to make the finals, to the head-to-head. So I run 39, I'm throwing the fist, and then I'm at the dock end, and my dad's sitting there, and he's like, two, two. (laughs) And I'm like, one! And he's like, no, you need two. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) So. Gotta get out of one. Yeah, I got out of one, got the two. Super stoked, first pro final. And then head-to-head started, and I just ran 39 every round. And I remember... um, I think I got third. I think I said second. I think I got third um, because of Jamie is the only person that beat me, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, Todd versus Sally had to go against him in the finals, but Todd never ran 39 the whole weekend. Yeah. Because they Just did that average. Yeah, and the, to get in the finals, he had two good backup scores. To, mm-hmm. Like they did the average and then the top top eight from two rounds and then the average. So he got in with right. the, top, the average. I got in with a top score. Yeah. So it was – I remember on the way home from this, I was like, Dad, I was driving home and I was like, Dad, I think I can do that every weekend. I think I could. Uh, all I have to do is run 39 every weekend, every round. I can do it. And my dad's like, show it, prove it, let's go so that point on my dad's like if there's a pro event you want to go we'll make it happen figure it out if you think you can do it that's all that matters if you think you can do it so yeah from that point on my dad and my mom and my brother and my whole little crew was all supportive and pushed me and and uh did whatever they needed to do to make it happen which is the biggest blessing anyone can ask for you know so oh my god yeah it was unbelievable and Going to travel the world to all the World Cup stops back then. That was all eye-opening because, like you, you live on a... When you ski at home, you're on a perfect lake, you know? Pretty much, yeah. Myself, I'm on three perfect lakes, and it's just... You go to a World Cup or a Moomba or the Masters, and it's... The conditions are Not like quite we, perfect, yeah. Like, my lake's never been that bad on the... hurricane's coming through, you know? like <laughs> right, So right. it's like... I'm like, man, I got a lot of work to do. Like, I gotta figure this out. But I knew on a good lake, I can, I can put the pressure on some people. So mm-hmm. I just learned from those tough conditions, try to figure it out, and on the nice conditions, I just went as hard as I could, you know. So
1: yeah, which I find it, I find it cool how you know just by hearing the years and everything, how by the time you won Junior uh, Under Twenty One Worlds you already started to have experiences, right? Like, like going to pro tournaments, maybe like it always happens at first, with not a whole lot of expectations, just, you know, ski as good as you can. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Then you start skiing good. So you have expectations. And so then you get out of the under 21s and apart, there's open, then there's no more, you know, there's no more other stuff. There's uh, open nationals, open worlds and, and pro tour. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So like, Right when I got out of juniors, I never won an overall tournament. So I said, okay, I'm going to give myself one time in the min one age group that's like 18 to 25. And I remember showing up at regionals. I didn't ski very well in overall. Um, went to nationals, and everyone was kind of teasing me. They're like, John, you're in the wrong d- division. Like, you got to go to open. And I'm like, well, I just want to compete with people in two disciplines at my level. Right. But I remember the reason I kind of won overall was because I kind of feel bad for it in a way. I ran, I think, two at 41 and Brian Detch or Brian Kinney ran like a few at 38 was second place. Mm-hmm. So I was like two passes ahead. And that's kind of what gave me that boost. You know, and I jumped 175 fish feet, tricked 3000 points. Um. But and those guys would trick three times my score. They will trick six to nine thousand, right? I'm tricking three. Yeah. So I kind of felt like, all right, and they jumped two hundred feet. I jumped one hundred and seventy-five. So I'm like, yeah, I might get them in one event, but the other two is better than mine. So it's not like right. But yeah, I gave myself that one opportunity. I did it. I was super pumped. Um, just to say, I won an overall tournament. Now I can hang my other two events up and really focus on the the on solemn. solemn stuff and. Ever since, I I think uh, that fall, I was, I think, 19 or 20, and Will was, like, jumping a little bit still. And he goes, Mm -hmm. hey, do you want to jump in your fall tournament and have, like, a little head-to-head thing, like, a little battle? And he's like, I'll give you 10 feet, I think it was, or 15 feet. I jumped terrible, and the guy almost went 200 feet. You know, he blew me out. (laughs) Will, Will was a very good jumper. Yeah, he is. Very good jumper. He still is probably. He still is and he's a really good tricker. I didn't realize how good Will is tricks. He does mobs and ski lines and I was like, whoa, this guy's he's the real deal. Like, why didn't you do overall dude? You know? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So um so I'm I'm jumping
1: maybe ahead a couple of years here. You can say like among the many things you can say about your skin that others can say there's a very very special rare one, which is you you won the masters right yep, tell me the year, tell me the vibe, how were
0: you skiing into it the tournament I'll go back a little bit before that um my last Please. junior m- masters was um in twenty two thousand six um yep. And then 2007, I didn't ski the masters. But in 2008, I made it to the Open Masters. So I had one year That's off. That's big. So I, but Zach and Warden and I, he was one year. He skied in the 07 Masters, Junior Masters, and I said, Zach, we goal is to ski together in the 50th Masters, right? And that would oh, have been right. in, I think that was in 09. Yeah, it was 09, because '08 08 was the 49th Masters. And LCQ's home. You're working. You're slaving. Um, it wasn't nice conditions. It was spring, kind of cold front came through in May. Like, the wind's blowing that weird west, northwest wind. And I went out there, and I think I ran, like, two at 41. Two or three. Or it's a three at 41. And I'm like, if no one beats me, I'm in the Masters. Well, actually, right. no. Back then, anyone that ran... The score they told you got in. So I'm in the Masters. Yep. And um, Zach went out. We had to go put a new jump course in on another lake to spin the jump. And Zach goes out there and jumps like one foot less or something crazy. Or does it at five and a half, but he didn't want to go to Masters because they made him jump six. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so he must have been, if my math doesn't fail me, he was still maybe like last year junior or something crazy.
0: Yeah, I think he skied at the. There's a tournament he skied in where he did not ski juniors. He went up to open and it might have been the masters. I can't remember which uh, tournament it was. Yeah. Um, I have a hard enough time remembering my stuff. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, no, no pretence. Yeah. No problem. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I skied my first open masters. I had one year off between juniors and open, and that was. And then we went. And then I have skied. I think ten of the last thirteenth, thirteen Moombas. or sorry, the masters, thirteen Master. masters. Yeah, so I'm pretty proud of that. But in 2011, I wasn't qualified for the masters. Mm-hmm. And so I went to LCQ, did the score. Um. That year is one of the first years where they said we're only taking one skier. The score is three at forty-one. We're going to take whoever gets three or the winner above three. So I think Jason McClintock that year ran three, round one. I ran like – I think I went right inside a six ball or got six at 39. Right. The round one. Round two, I ran three at 41. But Jason fell early at 39. So my average was more. So I got the, the golden ticket to go to the Masters. And then Jason got the wild card being an antique athlete, and we went. And I remember Jason goes off the dock that year in 2011 at the Masters, being first off the dock, and runs one at 41. In the 41. I remember that Masters. Crazy stuff. And I'm next on the dock, and I'm like, I look at my dad, and I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> right. wow. Like, game on. Let's go. So I got there and run two, and I am so happy. Like, I'm the happiest guy. Like, I could have won the world, Masters just then right just because right. to run 39 at the masters at that point not many people have done it yeah and then that was the turning year if you maybe you'll correct me but that was the
1: turning point year where we went from running 39 and masters is like few and far between yeah. almost never happens to everyone literally did it that year or, or yeah one pretty much do it yeah
0: and that was the first year they moved the dock from one end, the beach end, to the the dam end. Correct. So, and I think that has a lot to do with it, um, in a way. But just because of the wind, always blows one direction. So now we always took our without opting up or doing something weird, we took our thirty nine into the wind, so it was a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember I had to go back out and ski and a run off, and I think they only take. Four of us. Correct. To the final. I know Will was in. I think Th- Thomas was in. And I think there was like four of us for two spots. And we had to go to cold 39. And I don't remember who else made it in. It was I do remember. It was Aaron Larkin, I believe. And it was Aaron and I that made it in. Um, It was like Aaron went out, ran a score. Someone else went out and fell really early. And then Jamie went out, and I think the one skier before, Jamie fell at one ball. Then the yeah. next skier, Jamie went inside a two ball. So I only had to get, I think, two at 39 to make it into the finals. So I just literally turned one, S turned two, and I made it. I was like, sweet. And then in the finals, the wind's kind of weird. If you got, I was like the first one out, I believe. Yeah, I ran four and a half at 39. And I remember sitting on the pavilion – Because I was really mad I was like stroking 39 and fell at 5 And I was super upset with myself And then skier went down Next skier went down Next skier went down Now Will's on the water And I just remember he I still feel pretty gutted about it Now knowing he's like my best friend He fell right in front of the pavilion And I just remember like screaming Jumping in the water Like the happiest I've ever been And he's like staring right at me (laughs) (laughs) like right in front i'm like oh sorry dude sorry you know and um but yeah it was super emotional um i have pictures of me going to the masters um i've been i think as a kid i missed like two masters my whole life Mm -hmm. um so it was just a family vacation family trip dad had all the skiers going we always went And then for me to win it was just something that, you know, if I could do it again, it would mean exactly the same. You know, that tournament to me is, I don't care if you win it once a thousand times, every time you win it, it's amazing. The feeling is going to be there. It's going to be super high just for the fact that it's the Masters. It's not easy to ski. It's the longest going tournament in the history of a pro event you know the back in the day man they were giving Rolexes away big trophies like crazy stuff and just to just say you've been part of it with the Sammy the Andy the Carl the Cox, those group of people to say that you've won an event they won is just for me amazing you know yeah
1: yeah that's awesome and Staying with the family, I think this is a good transition to, to our part too. Staying with the, the family vacation slash trip aspect of Masters. To me, the picture, the best picture was this year uh, where I was there with the junior at the Masters with Florian, and I remember seeing your dad and your mom strolling around with your son, you yeah. know, like walking through, like next to the, to the what do you call it? The, the, the Not the beat. Yeah, the the vendors, the and and they were like, I'm like Jack, we're not following around your skiers. He goes, Ah, Chris takes care of that this weekend, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just enjoying myself and watching, which obviously was a strange Masters, no pavilion this year and whatnot, yeah. but uh, it was just a cool image to see that you know he was like, you know, Chris got it. I can just stay here and watch, and it, it was awesome. Yeah. So look. Look, John, we're going to take a little break and we'll come back for part two. Perfect.
0: Sounds good.